Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. And this is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of finding yourself in the middle of a firestorm and saying, no, we don't fight people. We're here to help. Just need you to turn your head and cough. Everyone get in the line. Everyone get in the line. Turn your heads and cough. You know, please please, lo- please lower the, uh, the, the, the uh, uh, plaz rifle. <laughs> We're... We're not, we're not here to give you that kind of help. Oh, anyways, uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about EMT teams, you know, which may be, uh, maybe because uh, basically emergency medical teams, first responders. So you've got these psychological counselors, okay? And then outside of that, you know, uh, what are the what are the other types of EMT specialists, uh, Jonathan? You're going to have your doctors, of course. Your 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 Di- surgeons, your diagnosticians. Combat by, when you say doctors, you mean diagnosticians? Well, yes. You're going to have the ones who can take a look and and say, all right. But you're, you're I guess your triage specialists. Okay. Yeah. What do you need first? Yeah. Um. Kind of depends, but generally, okay. Here's what I'll say because a few years ago, I actually helped. Um, train uh some national guardsmen on uh crisis response uh i was an actor who basically got to be a casualty and oh. in this for this training exercise it was the um it was a uh, a bombed building mm-hmm. and so uh and there was concern that it was a dirty bomb and that's all that's all they were told and then we were all given injuries very first thing we all did was we went through a shower so they made sure we were cleaned off of dirt of uh debris and possibly radioactive contaminants or chemical contaminants ah yes the very next thing after that was a triage specialist they took us in and they you know would go through the motions of checking our pulse and our blood pressure and all that looking for injuries and the makeup artists would you know make sure we all had a certain injury that matched whatever our diagnosis was supposed to be i think i had battle scar so I, i you know they had to lift up my long hair in the back at the time and paint, you know, a n- nice, ugly bruise at the back of my skull. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. And then depending on that, from there, depending on what the uh, the triage specialist uh, saw, they would either say, all right, we're going to treat you here with this, 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 or we're going to send you in the ambulance to so-and-so-and-so-and-so. Of course, not, you know, really, but that's what they would say. It's like, all right, this person's got battle scar. He's got to he's got to be stabilized now he's about to die in five seconds <laughs> and he's a walking he's a walking dead man and you're like what <laughs> <laughs> well i'd already looked it up on my phone to see oh so if they take too long i could i, I have permission to just faint in the middle of the, of the queue okay <laughs> so i did all right but yeah it was that kind of stuff so yeah they had you know all sorts of uh, uh, there you know ones that Depending on the situation, now this was, of course, like the first response. This was supposed to be the, you know, guardsmen who arrive, you know, moments after, you know, the call has come in and, you know, the wounded are being, you know, extracted from the, the, the debris. But if you're doing it in a more, you know, relief, you know, situation where you're going somewhere that has already been experiencing problems for a while, then, yeah, you're probably going to have, you know, the actual surgeons who can, you know, do the you know extraction of injuries or you know sew up wounds or you know the pathologists who can say all right you need this medication for this disease and stuff like that mm-hmm. okay so i mean there's going to be in a lot of ways there's going to be as far as what kind of specialists you have you're going to have a whole lot depending on the situation but you're you're definitely going to have triage specialists the ones who can you know you're like you said the diagnostic right. experts the ones who can look at what you've got and with, you know, maybe not the best diagnostic 
technology on hand, but you know, can at least make a good guess based off of whatever they have available to them. Right, because first come, first serve is a terrible way of dealing with a uh, an emergency. Especially depending on the you know the type of emergency. If it's all just minor injuries, then yeah, okay, yeah, first come, first serve will probably work. But if you're talking about chemical attack, well, the one who's probably showing signs of having you know that contamination probably needs to get out of here and get treated first. Right. Well, the people that are the most injured are not going to be the are not going to be as mobile. And so exactly. the ones that are up in your face clamoring for you to give them attention are the ones who probably least need your attention at the moment. So this yeah. is why you have to say, you know, get out of my face, get in line, someone will be by soon, you know, go to go get a bottle of water and drink it, that'll help you. And that was one thing we had during our, our, our little training thing was that, you know, half the uh, National Guardsmen there weren't there as doctors. They were there as guardsmen. They were there as as security, like we mentioned. Right. Uh, and so, and yeah, they they would have occasional times where, you know, the, the, the contractors operating it would come up and say, hey, um, you need to go crazy. Start, start a ruckus. <laughs> Okay, yeah, and that happens. I mean, people get scared. You know, someone dies right next to them, and they're like, uh, you know, uh, you know, I don't know why they died, and I could be next. They may have given me something. Someone help me, you know. And of course, mm-hmm. then it's the the pain and panic spreads, and you know, it's, someone has to be able to get control of that situation, or the doctors, the the med techs, or whatever can't do their job. So you know, it's not just you know. Uh, I mean, you, you, you're going to need some people, and that's why I said is that, you know, you, most of the time if you're playing this as a game, you know, you're going to be the doctors and med techs, okay? But you're going to need some NPC people to secure the compound that you're doing your treatment in to keep track, you know, watch over the the uh, the various, you know, injured, you know, to prevent, you know, to stop panic when it happens. And also because there might be some enemy agents, you know, uh, in their who are trying to keep these people from getting treatment because they erroneously think that if these people all die, it's better for the other side. Okay. That was, that was certainly something we had in our training because it was the, in, in, in the, our particular scenario, I believe it was a, a dirty bomb. Mm-hmm. And so right. one of the actors was selected to be the bomber. Okay. And, and he was given a, a little card, a little plastic card that would, um, it wasn't radioactive itself, but it would still set off a Geiger counter. Uh huh. And so, whenever he, you know, passed through, you know, they would check him, and and then that would cause them. Okay, you need to go back through the shower again. Wait a minute, he's not. Okay, hold on. And the idea being that, yeah, he was had a significant dose, and whether or not they figured out who he was or not by the end of the training program. Uh huh. Okay. All right. And so, yeah, that can happen. You know, you can have the, you know, enemy agents coming in even if it's not you know really intending to sabotage the operation you know they might have got injured too and maybe like hey maybe i can get some free yeah yeah while right. i'm here right so uh you know so you you got your your triage specialists you got your surgeons because you're going to need people to if nothing else stitch up you know damaged parts of people's bodies or possibly lop them off if necessary you know uh because some it's better to lose an arm than to uh, than to lose to, than to lose the rest of your body, you know, if it's infected or if it's you know, as you say, it's been highly contaminated with something, you know, if the creeping fungus is growing up the arm, like in the 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 uh, oh uh, the, oh uh, shoot uh, the the thing the the blob in the blob, you know, yeah. if someone just had lopped off his arm, he that guy probably would have lived. But of course, you have to do it in such a way that the person doesn't immediately bleed out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a bad thing. So you got those people, all right. Uh, but you're also going to need a lot of people who can like take your blood samples, other types of samples, and do and and, and do the lab tests necessary to identify. You know, uh, especially in a more modern situation. Uh, you know. Uh, in a medieval, probably it's just going to be what you can see on the person or what they tell you how they feel. You know, I feel really hot, you know, right here on my side. It really hurts right above, you know, below my ribs and above my, uh, 
on the right hand side and you're like oh this person probably has a ruptured appendix you know so uh you know we're gonna this, this person's gonna die in a, a couple of, of days if we don't do something about it right now so the uh uh and you know that's something that isn't covered uh uh, very uh, very well in like a lot of uh, fantasy role-playing games because for example like let's say they have a, a ruptured appendix all right so you go in and say all right cure disease boom and they feel better but their appendix is still ruptured yeah they're gonna go ahead and they're gonna it's gonna they're gonna reinfect the area because there's an injury in there that hasn't been dealt with you're gonna have to cast a cure a cure uh, wounds you know, cure damage type spell on that person in addition to the cure disease in order to eradicate the problem. Okay, so, you know, it's, it's part of that, you know, is uh, is being able to figure out what, you know, once you know what it is is their problem, you have to apply the right kind. So, so you're going to need all kinds of people in the case of like a fantasy situation who could provide those kinds of uh, of treatments. Okay, so, you know, I mean, mostly in a modern situation, we think about treatments being provided by materials, you know, you know, splints or uh, or uh, some kind of a, a vaccine or uh, antibiotic or, uh, you know, just splinting something or doing something like that. But, you know, or sewing it up. Uh, but in, in fantasy situations, you know, they, they a lot of times, you know, they use magic. So they have to realize what's the problem as well. And sometimes that stuff is, uh, and this is where the, uh, uh, the, the warehouse manager procurement comes in. You know, that sometimes that stuff is dear, okay? So think about your AD&D type, type world, okay? There's a play. The clerics all come out. They cast their healing spells. They heal maybe a dozen persons each. Let's say there's... 50 of them. All right. So now you've healed maybe, what, you know, 200? I'm not doing the math in my head very quickly. Uh, but there's, you're in a city of at least 5,000. All right. Maybe over time you can catch up. Okay. But, you know, and of course that assumes that, you know, there's, you know, that the, you know, whoever is paid, however this is paid for, however you get these spells or, 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 or whatever from your deities or whatever, if it requires a sacrifice, you know, that's paid for so that this, this stuff keeps coming, all right? So a lot of times you've got, you know, um, in, in a fantasy situation or, you know, or elsewise, you have to build up some kind of a um, supply, all right? And in a fantasy situation, this can be like uh, wands of healing, scrolls of healing, Potions of healing, cure disease. Okay, uh, when we talked about the people like suffering from um, uh, suffering from exhaustion or some kind of trauma like that. Okay, uh, potions of heroism. You know that that basically you know, gives you the equivalent of a couple of levels if you've like lost levels as a result of blood loss or something. You know that feeds back into that. Or uh, let's see what else. Um, uh, in third edition of D and D, they had all clerics had all kinds of buff spells, so you could buff up wisdom, which would help you with your mental shock, or they could buff up your uh, uh, your constitution, which would help you recover or even fight diseases. Okay, or a buff to strength, which would keep you going. You know, you're tired, you're exhausted, you know, your 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 muscles are worn out, but they give you a buff to strength that might last for hours and you can continue to do the fight, the good fight, you know, or whatever, uh, keep walking, keep moving, you know, until, but you have to have these supplies in order to do it because they're going to, they're going to, your spellcasters are going to run out real quick. So you're going to have to have, like you say, lots of wands, lot, you know, bought, you know, cases of potions, you know, uh, chest full of scrolls, whatever way that, you know, they've decided to go this route in anticipation of these kinds of things, you know, and a way of restoring these supplies after the emergency has passed. So, you know, that's, you know, because 
if you if you have these things, then that can make quick, you know, you know, short work of uh, of solving the problem. If you can just go ahead and just cast a whole lot of healing and and whatever, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Uh, are there any um, uh, again talking about D and D and other types of things? Are there any uh, if you were to play a character? Is there any particular att- uh, I'm using the word attribute, but I want you to think of it more generally. Something special about the character that might make them more effective as an EMT versus another character? You know, a more average character? Uh, paladins, because not only do they have their laying on hands ability, which, you know, uh-huh. doesn't take up spells, they also have... And they can cure. They also have immunities, usually to disease and fear. They'll walk right in the middle of a plague scene because they know physically and psychologically they're not going to be harmed by it. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, if you're like, if you're some kind of a construct, don't have to eat, don't have to breathe, might be immune. Uh, or if you're like a tiefling, you you take less damage from fire, and it makes you a great firefighter. Yeah. You know, and and, and other types of resistances. All of those make you better at fighting those kinds of things you know if we're talking yeah if we're talking fifth edition um monks are, would also be pretty good because their movement is amazing so they usually can get through debris or, or hostile territory easily they can also gain immunity to disease mm-hmm. um not so much di- elemental isn't but, it called diamond body or diamond soul or something like that yeah yeah and so, I mean, they can be, if nothing else, you know, a rescue team or, you know, a courier through, you know, dangerous, hostile areas. Right. Disease-ridden and, areas. You know, and a lot, a, lot of, um, a lot of game systems, by the way, are very poor about handling things like caring people, okay? Uh, you know, it's like if you pick up somebody in D&D and try to carry them, it used to be that you could only move one one inch per turn. Even if you had an eighteen double zero strength, you pick up somebody and you're carrying them. It, your 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 movement is almost nothing. Sometimes it's halved. Okay, if you're you know, uh, it it be you know, maybe if you were doing this as a campaign, you might want to have your GM add in some feats uh, or abilities that would kind of make you more effective in these areas. You know, maybe. If you if you have like you know good skill in fireman's carry, you could pick somebody up and carry them. You know as long as they were below a certain weight, uh, you know as if just like they were an object. You know like you were just like you were normally carrying stuff, and, and just use the regular movement rules for that instead of saying something like, "Well, you're carrying a whole other person, so therefore it's like really it's going to be really really hard to do it." You know, and uh, and you might even be able to. You know, people, especially people who are very fleet of foot, you know, might be able to really move along, you know, very quick like that. Uh, the, uh, oh, so, uh, so some other things, for example, uh, there are various items, uh, magical items, and, and of course, I'm sure they would have the high tech teleportation. You just, we talked about Star Trek. You know, you just go over and you touch somebody, you teleport them to a safe place. You don't have to drag mm-hmm. them out. You don't have to keep them safe. They're there now, okay? Your or mission even, is done. Or even, you know, something like, uh, you know, uh, you know, some kind of a balloon, literally, that you could just put, or you could attach somebody to, pull the ripcord, it basically blows a whole lot of gas up into this thing, and, you know, uh, like one of these super hyper-pressurized you know, gas containers, and it just lifts them up in the air. They go floating downwind, which you know, is going to be, you know, hopefully out of the area of, of danger, you know, and... Anyone who's played Metal Gear uh, Solid since, like, after 3, the Fulton Recovery System has been a, a mainstay of uh, Peace Walker and, and Metal Gear Solid 5. Right. Capture the soldier, tack, attach him to a balloon, send him up in the air, and a, a friendly plane will come and catch him before they get too far afield. One of those planes that basically comes over and just snips, you know. Yeah, just scoops <laughs> just, up the balloon. Just, just uh, snips the balloon off and grabs you and s- pulls you and sucks you into the plane. Something like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Yeah, another so, ride I would want to take, but right. So I mean, you know, it, just depending upon the game that you're playing, okay, you're you're going to want to uh, try to equip your character with the best kinds of things, whether it's gear, whether it's uh, attributes to the character. If you're a robot, you know, like I said, you know, that doesn't, you know, is going to be affected by extremes of heat or cold. You know, uh, these are all good things. You know, or a cyborg. You know, if you're playing something like, you know, uh, Shadowrun or, you know, even Battletech, you know, walking around in a big giant robot, you know, that's that can be really helpful for getting into an emergency situation, you know, uh, grab, you know, reaching out and grabbing people off the top floor of a burning building and putting them down on the ground. You know, it, giant robots are cool. You know, don't forget those things. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Battletech, I mean, that's almost nothing but post you know, war response. Yeah. If you've read the lore. Well, the only thing I ever did with Battletech was just do the fights out in the swamps. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The, 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 I, I tried Mech Warrior, but I, it just didn't, you know, the system didn't gel for me, but I'm glad for the people that were able to make it work. And maybe there were later editions that did a better job. I don't know. But, you know, uh, you know, Trav, you've talked about, uh, uh, not Battletech, but, um, um, Robotech. Robotech, yes, Robotech. So you know, same kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, you got you got you know vehicles that transform into armor, or you know, so once you get there, it basically turns into something that can protect you, and you know allows you to move through dangerous areas. Oh yeah, even know. even the destroids, the non-transformable ones, a lot of them were made for urban combat where you might have to go in and rescue wounded. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, every soldier that they recover. You know, this is this is why people always want to kill the soldiers. Every soldier that you recover can come back and fight again. Yeah. But if it takes a long time to recover that person, you know, to for that person to get better, all right, they don't have magical healing or things like that, then that means that every person who's helping to move that person or provide aid to that person is not going to be a frontline combatant. And so therefore it's actually tactically better to let your enemy retrieve their wounded because then they you know that th they put more resources into protecting them and, and, uh, and generally in matters of warfare now if you're like if it's like an animal attack they don't care but a constant trope among sentient fighting species races is that medical people are not to be touched they usually, you know, like we have, you know, the rules of the Geneva Convention. If you got that red cross somewhere on you, you don't shoot them. Because worse comes to worse, you can capture them and they can heal your wounded. They're a commodity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, I, I, I've had lots of scenarios in my mind saying, if I was a doctor in a post-apocalyptic world, would that be a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> because I would... I would you know, if, you, if there's a strong man and they find me, I'm immediately going to become a slave because I'm never yeah. going to be able to leave because my, my skills are too valuable. On, on the good side, I can do a lot of good. You know, there's a lot of people that are sick and hurting and, and after, you know, uh, uh, some kind of apocalypse. So, you know, certainly there's no lack of, of, you know, lack of job satisfaction, if I may use that term. You know, but you also have job security. So, you know. Oh, yeah, you have yeah, definite job yeah. security when you're a slave. Well, I mean, no, if you're a doctor and they're trying to, you know. Yeah. You know, you know you're always going to have sick people. So, yeah, right right up, you know, right up until you do something you weren't supposed to do. You know, like the doctor that performs an abortion on the, uh, uh, on the queen because the queen doesn't want to give the king an heir. And they find out. Yeah. Which point, uh. Bad things happen. Yep. So, and I've read stories where that's happened, you know, or uh, uh, even worse, uh, you resuscitate someone and they immediately assume that the person is now a zombie because their soul would have left because they breathed their last. And the last thing that comes out when you do that is their soul. So you got them going afterwards. And that means they're soulless. Yeah. An abomination before God. And now everybody wants to kill you because you're like some necromancer now, right? You're like, all I did was do CPR, you bunch of ignorant savages. <laughs> what is a CPR? What foul magic is this? Yes. 
CBR. It sounds like a spell. <laughs> right. Oh, it's, it's it's tough being a first responder when you're dealing with people who don't watch your hand. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we we started talking about special equipment, so let's let's talk a lot more about special equipment that might be just generally or uh, useful and such. And and of course, I've already talked about the the uh, you know the uh, you know the the sky castle yeah. because that's like the ultimate. You know, that's like it's essentially that's the equivalent of having a hospital boat that basically pulls up to the shore and just starts treating the, an entire country from there. And it's great because you can always turn around and leave, and long as long as they don't like send like you know gun emplacements against you yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Which is you know I mean I was like you know uh, they 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 took uh, uh, Fort Sumter. How did anybody get Fort Sumter back? You know, and it's a, were they firing on them from boats and things like that? And the answer was no. There was an entire different battery further north. Okay, that basically turned his guns on their own fort that had been taken over by the uh, by by the Northerners. Who it was a Confederate fort that had been taken over by Northerners, and they're firing on their own fort because you can't have that. That's ours. <laughs> it starts the Civil War. But yeah, we are not sharing these toys. Yeah, no, definitely not. And uh, do do you guys remember? Uh, it because it, germane to our our situation. Do you remember how it ended? Oh, it's only been 35 plus years since I took Civil War history. No, I don't. <laughs> Jonathan? I was going to say you how the Civil War ended or the no, attack no, on Sumter. No, no, how the Battle of Fort Sumter ended. No, I do not remember, unfortunately. Okay, they they actually had landed enough, you know, uh, shells, you know, uh, in on the fort that they had set the, um, the gunpowder stores on fire. Oh, geez. yeah, okay. Okay, and so... The guy, the guy who, you know, the the the, the union, you know, uh, commander basically, you know, tells the, the the Confederates, he says, "Okay, I can do one of two things." He says, "I can either continue fighting you, okay, or I can fight the fire and save the lives of my men." He says, "He says, which one do you want me to do?" <laughs> he says, "Because if you, if I'm going to fight the fire, you guys got to give me, you know, terms of surrender that are acceptable." And and they did, and that's and so at which point they threw open the doors. You know the boats landed. The Confederates came in. They fought the fire. The 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 the, the fort did not explode with all that the gun because they had lots and lots more gunpowder and shells and things like that that hadn't been used yet. So <laughs> uh, that's how it ended. And so you know here you are, you know going in trying to help people, you know, on this fort that's on fire. It could explode at any time, you know. They're trying to fight the fire, you know, and you're trying to provide, you know, EMT aid to the people that are there, you know. So it's more of a, a little bit more military than I was going for. But the point is that you can see how you can find yourselves in the middle of a very precarious situation, you know, as an EMT. And, you know, your goals and the goals of uh, uh, the military goals were completely different. You know, the, 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 the commander had to make a decision between the lives of his men and holding the fort. And he, he made the right decision because, as we all know, you know, the North won, so he didn't have to die for it. So, but anyways. Uh, all right. So, again, talking about special equipment, okay, you know, if you're coming into a, uh, uh, let's say you're coming into a disease situation what kind of special equipment would you want to have um airtight uh self-contained areas to treat people who have whatever contagion is going on as well as the proper ppe so you don't contract whatever it is and you you want to be able to um isolate yeah right positive pressure tents with airlocks of some kind um, best way to describe, which is really good if it if, if the thing is airborne. Yeah, if it's waterborne, it really you don't really need that. Right, but but uh, yeah. let me give an example for the listeners. Uh, if you remember the beginning of Thor, all of those various structures that were there around the hammer that Thor tried to get back in, and Hawkeye was up in the up in the crane wanting to shoot Thor, and it's all those plastic 
hallways, that Colson, those type of tents, because they didn't know what this thing was. It could have been contagious. It, it fell from the sky and landed there. They didn't know, so they locked it down like it was a possible contagious area. That's what we're meaning by those positive pressure tents. That's that's the best way I can describe, and it'd be relatively recent, because Outbreak came out like 25, 30 years ago. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the main idea is, is by creating a positive pressure, the air flows from the inside out and not the outside yeah. in. Which is really important where you have a, an airborne contagion that you don't want to contaminate your work surfaces and, you know, uh, or infect your personnel. Sure. Right. Okay. Uh, what else would you want for uh, handling a disease? Uh, like we said, that, that PPE, you're going to want uh, personal protective suits. Okay. So you want your environmental suits that keep you safe as you move around, mm -hmm. out, you know, on, on your missions and in the outside the the immediate uh, structures. And you want those also positive pressure so that if you get a tear or a rip, you know, it's going to blow the disease particles away from the tear as opposed to suck them in. Right. Well, also, it, it's, you know, any kind of, of um, thing that wraps around your body also keeps you from being contaminated if, if it's if it's by touch or something like that uh there's a movie called the carrier which um is not the one with chris pine in it the guy who played Cap, uh, captain kirk on the um um kelvin universe yeah uh re reboot okay this is another one called the carrier came back came out like 10 or 20 years earlier than that and what it was is that it was a um uh, uh, literally uh, a flesh-eating bacteria mm -hmm. that would get on stuff. And if you touched it, it would just start eating you up. So everybody was like, you know, literally covered. They look like they look like bag people, you know, like bag ladies and men. They were they were covering themselves up with you know with scotch tape and 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 plastic bags like you get from Kroger's and such, you know, with, you know mass you know uh, around their faces just so they knelt didn't. They didn't. If they came into contact with it, they could like pull the gloves off before they tried to eat food or drink water or pull the mask down, and then get their hands back inside. So even if they were contaminated, they wouldn't transfer it onto themselves. So it it, it doesn't have to be as high tech as a as a full blown environmental suit. Sometimes anything that you can put on your body that can, keeps you from you know it. Reaching, you know, uh, a part of your body where it can transmit itself inside, you know, uh, eyes, uh, the mucous membranes of your mouth, nose, eyes again, um, genitalia, uh, uh, anus, uh, those are, well, and of course with women, vagina, uh, those are all real good places to transmit stuff. So you keep that all covered up. And it's harder for a lot of things to come in because your skin is a natural barrier against, you know, uh, biologicals from getting into your body. That's why you have. That's one of the main reasons you have it. The other two reasons you have it is to make is to uh, conserve water and to conserve heat. So, but one of the one of the main things is to keep diseases from getting inside your body. So anything you do to wrap that up, you know, is is a good thing. So. Yeah, uh, any kind of protective gear like that's going to be important, you know, uh, especially ones that can be deloused, de right? Oh yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean? Because once you're once you're contaminated, you you want to go home, right? <laughs> you think they're going to have to be able to get that, you know, decontaminated? Whether they're they spray you with something, they they put you in a um, uh, oh um, I. When I say spray, I mean, we, we still just think of like a liquid that they would spray you down with bleach, okay? Or they might instead put you into a uh, chamber where they blow, um, uh, oh, uh, oxygen, the, the triple oxygen. Um, oh, geez. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. Blanket, yeah. Oh, yeah, ozone, ozone. Um, you know, basically blow ozone at things. And of course, it's it's highly reactive. It's is one of the ways that they uh, uh, sterilize water is is that they can blow ozone, you know, as a gas through the water, and it will sterilize it rather than having to have like uh, you know, ra rather than using things like chlorine, which may be hard to get their your hands on. 
Okay, uh, it might be, uh, you know, and, it's, and sometimes it can be dangerous to use and such, you know, while, you know, all that, uh, all that ozone is is oxygen that's been run through a Tesla coil and blown through water and it sterilizes it just fine. So they could, like, do that to you. They could blow air at you that was that is mostly ozone and basically delouse you that way, you know, killing anything that, that you know, needs normal oxygen. It'd be like a poison, uh, bacteria. I don't know if it would have any effect on a virus, you know. But um, anyways, that's another, that's another possible solution, some way of delousing yourself. So you, you're going to want that kind of thing. You know, I it's, think it's, you're it's reminding for, me of the... Yeah. Um, the Michael Crichton book, The Andromeda Strain, uh-huh. where like a good chapter of the book, if not two chapters of the book, is just recounting these scientists going into this facility and getting progressively more and more sterilized as they go in. Right. And you remember what the last step was? Uh, like like flash frying the, the outer layer of their skin, if I remember yes, correctly. Yes, yes. They basically, they came out covered in ash because it was the top layer of their skin. They... They just put like some kind of some kind of glasses on, and I think they uh, they they put they put their heads inside of some kind of a silver thing, yeah, like and a little they box. Had to wear that thing that 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 cap the rest of the time they were in there because their hair inside would was not wholly deloused, but all the skin and everything except around their eyes, you know, had to be. You know, was had been burned yeah, off, like a, you know, a slightly a quick UV burst or something like that. Right, right, exactly. That's what it was. And uh, but you just imagine just going and you know, <laughs> running your hand and just just get, having your hand covered in ash and realizing that's my body I'm wiping off. <laughs> that was the skin just a few moments that was ago. Part of me. Yeah. Now it's dust in the wind. And then, and then have your fellow scientists go, would you like me to lick that off you? And you're like, ah! <laughs> That's inappropriate! <laughs> Welcome to the 1960s. Oh, feels so much Well, you know, there, there, were, there were, you know, it wasn't, it's not even, it, it's saying, there was, wasn't that long ago. It's not even not now. Okay, there are people licking frogs right now. <laughs> yeah. Toads. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're having a good time. And you, know, you lick the wrong toad, you're dead. Yeah. Though, yeah. You know. Because, you know, Gamera will show up. <laughs> all right, what else we got? Um, all right, so um, so that uh, we were talking about um, oh, uh, disease. Okay, so, of course, you're going to want, uh, you know, going around and injecting people with injectors. Okay, that could be very slow going because you got to take, you know, you got to take this. Even if you pre-prepare them, that's a lot of, of these things you got to do. What they were trying, what they used in the military when they're doing mass, uh, uh, not injections, but um, when they're bringing people in, uh, a lot of times they would they would have this gun that you know just had a feed that was coming from like these you know three lines and with a basically a high pressure nozzle on the end that would force the uh, uh, the various inoculations into your arm, you know, or back or buttocks. You know, into the fatty layers, and they just you'd come up and they'd be like, bam, bam. It'd be like hurt like the dick is. It was, you know, I mean, it really stung. But they just one, one pole, one, one person. And you could do, you know, shoot, you could do over sixty people in a minute. You could do thousand people in an hour. So it was, uh, you know, it was as long as you had supplies of that material uh, of the of that injection stuff. You know the antibiotics or the vaccine or whatever else. So having something that can really deliver the uh, the cure or the preventative really really fast is a really great thing to have. So uh, you know the uh, in Star Trek they had the the hypos. Yeah, yeah. Basically the same thing except it was like more self contained. But uh, yeah, they uh, uh, so that I can see be really important for disease. Uh, Anybody got anything else? Oh. Still going with, like, just disease, disease-based disasters. Well, I was just, that's the first one. Oh, well, guess, actually, so. I, I've got it. You're probably going to want a crematorium. Because if you get some bodies <laughs> okay. that, you know, yeah. that don't make it through treatment, you got to get rid of them. Burn yeah, them, you can't just do a mass grave because yeah. all that type of stuff just, yeah, no. 
Well, a lot of times you make a you dig you dig a mass grave, you drop the bodies in, it, and then you ignite them. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, mass, you know, and then you cover it up with dirt. But because uh, crematoriums are are great, but they take a lot of gas, and yeah. you know, and and you got to wait while those bodies are reduced to ash. It takes hours for that to happen. So uh, yeah, but yeah, you need uh, one of the. You're going to need a. A, a solution to the dead bodies that won't leave remains that could further contaminate wildlife or yeah move. right right well of course uh, as, as we found out in return of the living dead burning bodies that have trioxin in it doesn't solve the problem it makes it worse because the stuff goes out of the exhaust it doesn't get destroyed by the uh by the by the temperature it goes out to the exhaust goes up into the clouds causes the clouds to become seeded, they start raining, trioxin falls down, now the entire city turns into a, a zombie fest, comes looking for comes looking for you. That's why you, it's important to know what you're dealing with. Absolutely. So, it's uh but uh so in those particular cases their original solution which was to just chop up the body and put it into in, the in, the parts of the body into individual baggies was actually a better solution because <laughs> Those, those those bodies just couldn't get their their act together. <laughs> so, the, uh, as a matter of fact, in in, uh, in 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 one of my zombie adventures, uh, I I created a mutant zombie that was basically pile of parts. It was called pile of parts. Somehow, the parts communicated with each other, and they just kept flopping around and jumping up and flopping down and ro slowly rolling along, so to speak, as a pile. Okay, and they would batter you to death is what they would do, and people are like, "Well, we'll just shoot it in the head," and we're like, "Okay, fine, bang, bang, bang. <laughs> didn't do anything." The head's like rolling; it's just one of the parts rolling around in the mass, you know. And uh, they, uh, you, you know, the solution was either to like use some kind of uh, a glue gun to basically spray this sticky, gluey stuff all over the place that would hold every cold, glue it down to the ground. Okay, or literally grab the parts and throw them individually, you know, into uh, uh, you know into separate containers, and uh, and then you know uh, without hopefully getting so battered by them while this is happening that that you become incapacitated. So that's uh, so yeah, uh, uh, really important is to have sanitary uh, waste supplies. That allows you to get rid of contaminated materials. So yeah, that would be good for almost all of this. Yeah, because it's not going to be just even your own uh, um, corpses, but just the materials you use. You're going to have your right. hazmat suits that just if you can't sterilize it, it's got to be disposed of. And if you know, even if can dispose of biological waste, yes, yeah. Even if you yeah, can't right. it, it will eventually wear out, and you're going to have to do something else with it anyway. There is something right. here. There is something here I've seen that I do like, and it's something that because EMRs, you know, they also do rescue, and I like the thing. And and there are times where damage, disasters, earthquake, fire, whatever, you have to deal with things like collapsed buildings. Uh, cave-ins, what have you. And a lot of times it's um, things like you need explosives often to get in, like, uh, they're not explosives, just like torches to cut through walls or um, even something to bust down a door that may be jammed or, uh, yeah, right. door wall breakers, yeah. Um, yeah, you need some kind of intrusion assistance. Yeah, yeah. 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 And debt cord. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, wait, what debt cord? Yeah. But no, um, usually that's more disaster-based stuff where there is property damage that inhibits you from getting in to retrieve injured. And Right. Yeah, it, it can also be important if, for example, you need to create some kind of a fire break, you know, where you just need to take out this building so that, you know, all the buildings to the left, you know, to the left of it aren't going to be damaged by this fire and it burns itself out on the right. Same thing like when they make fire breaks out in the forest and such. You know, they, they sometimes they'll literally go in and blow up a, a, a line 
through a forest oh, yeah. so that the fire can't easily jump further, you know? And, uh, you know, it, it's... We're going to burn it before you do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and deck core is a cool stuff because basically it burns, you know, pretty close to the speed of sound. And oh, uh, so you can wreck. Yeah. You, they, 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 sometimes they, they, they use it uh, when they want a whole bunch of explosives to go off at the same time. Uh, but they're not, for some reason, they're, they're not sure that they can just use individually like uh, electronic sensors and, you know, the, the, the one of the ways they used to do it is they just simply write wrap deck cord around one explosive, take it to the next one, wrap deck cord around oh, the other. Okay. Yeah. And and it would basically hit the first one, ignite it, you know, and and then zip on and hit the next one and the next one and the next one, and they would all explode almost simultaneously. You know, and uh you could all it's I've also seen them wrap it around a tree and just basically blow the tree yeah. apart. So you could use it to open doors. You can use it to knock down walls. You know, you literally could wrap it around. If you had a building that was primarily like a um, a brick building uh, with a wooden frame on the inside, you could wrap it around the building, set it off. It would basically bust down the brick walls all the way around the building, leaving just the wooden structure inside. And then you could go inside the building and provide aid. So it's cool stuff, you know. Uh, of course, there's plasma torches, you know. Those are great for cutting through steel and beams and cables and things like that. Uh, and yes, and the fringe-worthy keys that have the cutting torch that will cut through anything except living flesh. Right. So that way then you can use them to, oh, we need to get into, you know, get through this wall to get to the people to get them back to the portal, you know, because it's the plague and the disease will be eradicated once and you cut and you cut through, and it stops because it hits living tissue. And so <laughs> you don't want to harm the people that you're trying to rescue. That's bad form. Yeah. Right, right. But, you know, sometimes being able to reach somebody quickly is, is uh, you know, you, you don't want to blow the door because then the explosion will kill the people on the other right. side. So you might have to cut through, and plasma torches are very good for that. You know, so, yeah. Um, all right, uh, that's why I also listed, like, doors and wall breakers. Those, you know, big, they're basically like, you know, uh, battery, battery ramps. ramps but, but they're designed specifically, you know, and so they can be used by individual, like a small group of people to do that. They're easily carried. You know, they've got, you know, really sharp pointy ends that, uh, you know, are really good for busting holes. And then, of course, a lot of times, if, if it's a door, you know, you only have to bust the part where it's locked. You know, so uh, and you don't have to bust the whole door down, especially if it's made out of metal, a fire door, yeah, or something like that. So, yeah, uh, of course, you know, it's great if you have the ability to put like sleep gas out into an area because or a spell like sleep or things, you know, where you can change the size to be more than just like it is in D&D, but something that covers an entire area because then. You know, you're you knock out the you know the people that are trying to stop you, and you also knock out the people that are hurt, which might give them some relief <laughs> from the injuries they're suffering, and that way they don't fight you when you try to help them. You knocked and, us. Uh, you gassed us asleep. Yes, but were you hurting? Yeah, that's not the yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> right now, now this is where this is where you get kind of like the triage type of thing going. Because in a lot of games, they list like a percentage chance of somebody having a, re a, a negative reaction to something like a sleep gas or something. And so that if you take like a, let's say there's a 2% chance. Well, that means that 100 people, you know, that you just gas, two of them are going to be in anaphylactic shock or have, their heart is stopping or something as bad is happening to that person. So you might actually end up killing people that you're trying to rescue. But this is, you know, when, in these kinds of situations, a lot of times you kind of have to say, you know, am I doing more good than harm? You know, it's not always a win-win situation. Hmm. So, but uh, that's one nice, that's one thing to use. And there's a lot of um, nerve gases that are, you know, very, very powerful, you know, and, you know, and, and most of them are very, very deadly because they're designed that way. 
what I'm just saying is, is that they're uh, if we were actually trying to use this, do this kind of thing, then we might come out with a lot more uh, stuff like that. Uh, in uh, Judge Dredd, either the uh, either the role playing game or the comic book or whatever, they had a gas called Strom gas, and they used it for a uh, uh, riot quelling. They would uh, they would basically uh, they would do you do that just knock everybody out, or they had this foam that they would spray, they would just drop like a bomb and just blow out all over it. Everybody would be like locked inside of their own little foam, transparent foam container. It just still allowed them to breathe. And they would just come in, cut them out, take them back to the Hall of Justice, and put them on trial and decide how long they were going to have to spend in the ISO queues for just being, you know, a bunch of j- jerks, you know, at, at least in the eyes of the law. So uh, that's... Uh, that if you can get your hands on some of that stuff, uh, that could be really good to use as well. So uh, just because it, it was designed to be non-lethal, uh, always checking your games to see how you know if they have less than le- less than lethal uh, forms of weapons and other things like that. Uh, you know, uh, shock rods, uh, glue grenades, glue uh, wa- uh, uh, glue guns that spray it out. Um, uh, you know, uh, you know various uh, lasers that can uh, temporarily blind, or sonic things that can cause people to, you know, to go into possibly epileptic fits, but it also causes them to get stunned. You know, these kinds of things they 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 are offensive, but at the same time, is it a lot of times you're trying to get control of a situation where the longer you don't have control, the more people are actually going to die or or, or, is, or it's going to get worse and worse. And you have to apply yeah. these kinds of strong deterrence and, uh, and, and control methods to get it to happen. So, yeah. Um, of course, my, uh, uh, my favorite, uh, uh, my, uh, my favorite, uh, Material disperser is the fire truck, okay? Because you know, in the case of where you have something supernatural like werewolves or or zombies, uh, even especially vampires, uh, you can like have it like firing out holy water. Oh yeah, and you just hose it through the crowd, okay? The people that aren't aren't uh, aren't, aren't werewolves, and in the case of uh, uh, werewolves, you can have some colloidal sh- silver in it. So oh yeah, they, yeah, they re- you know they they react they, it reacts to them or fey you know cold iron or silver depending upon your legends you know some of them are affected by that yeah. some vampires in some stories are affected by silver yeah um, so it's just uh, or you could just simply put um, uh, hot pepper juice in there and everybody who gets sprayed in the eyes is now screaming covering their eyes and they're not fighting you when you're rushing in there and trying to help them. Because sometimes, you know, if you're, if they think that, uh, you know, that that a plague is the re- result of the devil, and they're all good people, then then all of your attempts to help them is going to be interpreted as you casting sp- aspersions on their character, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, right. but I I love uh, uh, fire trucks for that reason because you know they're uh, they're really cool for for doing that sort of thing. You can knock people down. And just the yeah, I was going to say, just the water pressure alone is, makes right? it decent crowd control. Fires, oh yeah, you can knock yeah. doors open, you know, you know, things like that. It's you know, just depending upon how much pressure you clean have up of to chemical you. spills. At least, well, yeah. at least you know, move it from here to down downhills a little ways. Yeah, well, you know, uh, for most of uh, history, the Thames and uh, what's whatever is the river in Paris, the they, they were considered. The same, yeah. Open sewers. Yeah, there was, you know, they, they, they no one ever got water out of those. <laughs> they were, they, they, they smelled like an open sewer and tasted worse and everything else. So uh, that wasn't where you got that. So uh, if you washed uh, some uh, pollutants down into that into that mess, uh, you probably weren't making it worse than it already was. But you know, who knows. That that's that's what your uh, site manager has to work with. You know, decide what's the proper uh, techniques to use in that situation. So uh, 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 another possibility is a fogger. 
I don't know if you've ever gone camping, and all of a sudden this guy in a truck, a uh, 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 flatbed truck, goes goes driving around, and he's got this thing blowing out all this fog, you know, out of the back of it. You know, you're running through it going, oh, Camping, oh. that guy comes by yeah. every mosquito season. Yeah. Right well, past that's my the house. The idea is to kill the mosquitoes. I was always like, you know, anything that kills mosquitoes got to be slightly poisonous to me. <laughs> and I'm running around breathing this stuff, and yay! You know, so, uh, but anyways, the uh, foggers like that are really good for, especially if you're trying to, uh, if they're being, if the disease is being borne by, uh, oh, uh, by insects like fleas or mosquitoes yeah. or other types of things like that, having something that can knock that down really makes a difference. Uh, and, uh, you know, it can it can really change the, you know, it it can keep it from getting a lot worse because as we've seen, you know, diseases start small and then they start geometrically or more progressing. So stopping it at a certain point, even with extreme measures, can make a difference between it becoming, you know, a pandemic versus being an epidemic. So you know, sometimes you have to be really, really uh, aggressive on these kinds of things. So yeah. Uh, also, of course, you know, fog can lay out holy water, uh, you know, or a colloidal solution uh, that might have something like I said, silver or um, salt on it. You know, if you're up against uh, uh, super, uh, the, the show Supernatural, um, oh, uh, demons and things like that. You know, so the uh, you know foggers are great. <laughs> so, and of course, you can always make people, you know create an area where people are like, you know, uh, blinded. You know, one of the coolest uh, things I've seen is, is that they have a, uh, uh, a fence that they, they put uh, around certain compounds down in, the, uh, 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 down in the tropics, and it's a laser fence. And what it does is that they can, they can tell the wings of flying creatures like mosquitoes and such because their muscles are going to be a lot hotter than the rest of their bodies because they're providing all the energy. And so the lasers can pick up on that and they fire a very short burst and they fry the mosquitoes' wings and they fall to the ground and, you know, predators kill them or whatever. The point is they don't get inside and they don't bite anybody inside the the, uh, the compound. Oh. And so they and it's, this is a very cost-effective method of eliminating uh, mosquitoes. Uh, and, uh, and and similar type insects from an area, and so uh, I haven't you know I haven't seen more about that, but it sounded really cool automated anti mosquito laser turrets. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, it's tiny, tiny little stuff. I you love know, it. I love that, it. Uh, you know, because it's the laser, it it can fire like thirty, forty feet in the air, fry that mosquito, and it can even do it with uh, you know infrared beams, so you don't like suddenly see this constant flickering. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. At the edge of your camp, you know, that that would be the movie version of it to make it look scary, yeah. you know. And if you go through it, it would they wouldn't react to you because you know you're you're outside the size parameter that their that their their little tiny AI is working on. So, and uh, you could literally take these things and pour them like out of a bag. Just walk along and just. Shake them out of a bag. Welcome as you to my perimeter, perimeter laser field, Mister Powers. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. You know, it literally they they they're the there's the size of grains of sand yeah. or whatever. You know, and uh, you know, and maybe they have a little uh, a, a little solar panel to recharge yeah, themselves. Right. I don't know. Okay. Or maybe you set up something nearby that that produces uh, an electromagnetic field that charges them all up. I don't know. You know, that could be a second layer yeah. that you have to do but point still is is that it's not it's something that's very doable sounds very cost effective certainly a lot better than spraying uh what was a ddt yeah, everywhere yeah. when they were yeah, trying yeah. to stop uh people from getting um uh malaria yeah tc flies uh yellow fever yeah. all those things were airborne by insects so yeah cool all right uh let's see here um oh um uh, I mean, we've we've gone through just, I mean, massive amounts of on-the-spot, at-the-moment treatments and methods and equipment. Right. 
after the fact to make sure that treatments are kept up and that it doesn't happen again. If it is something that was preventable, telling the people in the area, don't do these things like, yeah, don't drink downstream from a battlefield and, you know, that type of stuff. Letting the populace, sure. giving the populace information to arm themselves, to help them live healthier lives after such an event, catastrophe, disaster, endemic. Right. And I, I thought these would be best done as posters or even comics because they wouldn't require you, you wouldn't, it wouldn't require you understanding the local language. Right. You could just do it as, you know, in, in, in uh, pictures and, you know, people doing stuff. You know, kind of like the CDC cooking. actually putting out a zombie invasion plan, what to do, what not to do. I heard this came out a few years ago, and I'm just, yes. I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, I don't like the, the, the premise of this. Not at all. <laughs> They've got to train them them artists just like everyone else. Fine, have them draw a turtle like they did in the back of the comic books back in the old day. Quit trying to scare the crap out of you by thinking that they have something going that, oh, we have to print this in case something goes wrong down in the labs in the sub-basement right. level. Yeah. Right. Well, people read those posters and such. You know, with People who'd never gone to the CDC and read about any prevention went to the CDC to read those posters. Oh. So they reached people that they never would have done otherwise. And you know what? Your, your survival bag for a zombie apocalypse is... Useful for you know other disasters oh, yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, especially uh you know the 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 one that is it's it's designed really to help you with is flooding. That's like the number one reason you know uh that people get displaced is flooding. Yeah. So right after that is probably going to be like forest fires yeah. or something. I guess. But, uh, yeah. So uh you know it, it could it could show how to ward against vampires or demons. You know it would tell you about boiling water so you don't get sick, you know, killing insects and other carriers. You know, uh, do you know what a hot box is, Trev? Not really, no, no. Okay, a hot box is a, it's basically uh, a metal enclosure uh, that is used especially at shelters. Uh, and what they do is, is they get the, uh, the, the various, you know, the people you come into the shelters to put their clothing and their bedding that they might have into this, and then they uh, they either you do it electrically or they use gas and they heat it up to about a hundred and fifty degrees or something like that. Not enough to ignite, you know, the cloth and stuff like that that might be in there, but it's high enough that it causes any fleas or ticks or other types of bed bugs, yeah. things like that, to die. Okay. And then they and then they could basically take it out, and the people could put you know uh, uh, put it back with their stuff, and it really really reduces the amount of infestations in places like shelters. And shelters yeah. are very much like the situation we're talking about, where people come in, they're in need, they need food, water, you know, they might be injured, they need somebody to help them, you know, uh, and you know uh, these hot boxes were, are something that they uh, they, they use. And so providing something like this or showing people how to make one can make a big difference because people are like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to protect my family. It's like, you know, uh, and how do I how do I keep from being reinfested by, you know, uh, getting fleas from some other place? You know, just the hospitality industry alone would probably bless you. Oh, this. yeah. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. you know, what's what's the line? Right. Hey, you know, uh, a landlord. You know there were bed bugs in my bed, and what's his and what's the landlord's response? I told you no pets. Oh, geez. good one. Not what I'm looking for. Trav, you got no, something? No, no. You must have brought them with you. Yeah, yeah. Always the answer. Anyways, okay. So, um, <laughs> yes, your landlord never wants to give you a refund. Funny thing that. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to us. I'm sure there's lots and lots of other things. We could go into with this, uh, and uh, and there's lots of really great cutting edge uh, surgical and um, EMT techniques. I don't know of any uh, direct sources for that, so you might want to just go online and and use your Google. I food, just had but, a thought, real quick, uh, as we're closing this up. But yeah? I one of the best 
I guess, examples that you might look to for uh, source material for ins- or inspiration if you want to run a campaign with this kind of setting is the old TV serial MASH. Oh, God, yes. You know. Oh, my you know, God, yes. I didn't a, realize that. A crew that. Yeah. of people dedicated mm-hmm. to helping people within a war zone. Anyway, that's all. I had to throw that out. Yeah, and just, just re- replace the word war zone with, um, you know, disaster area. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, the uh, <laughs> there's a great series of books called Sector General by uh, James White. I think it's, uh, but it's a hospital where they're always trying to. They have aliens that drop in with with mysterious diseases, and they're always try, having to figure out how to treat them. Not very helpful in this particular situation, but still a, a great reads. So they had this. They built this whole classification of the species, so they could then go and tailor. You say, well, if we know they're this, 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 and this, then they're probably going to need this, this, and this kind of treatment. So that kind of stuff is really helpful. Uh, setting up some kind of a, uh, a um, you know, like a, a cascading thing, you know. Uh, but nothing is, you know, but ultimately it's going to come down to, you know, the, uh, you know, your game master uh, coming up with really you know, interesting adventures for your team to do. Uh, and for you, to really invest your characters in the roles that you're playing, you know, especially, you know, because you're not murder hoboing. Okay, it's a different way of looking at gaming than a lot of people are used to, and it can be very, very fulfilling. Uh, but it's going to take some effort. So make your, you know, uh, create your characters well, make them flexible. You know, find a role that you want to play in this EMT team, and you know. Let let the awesomeness happen because if you're good players, creative and flexible, it's going to come and and uh, it's, it's going to come to your rescue and you go to their rescue. So thanks for all for joining us and we're going to have more for you next week, but you'll have to wait until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.